Well, I hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, in spite of, right? I don't know about y'all, but for some reason, I hated all that stuff this week. Just, right, you hate this stuff. But I feel kind of stirred up inside. I really do. I feel kind of like being re-envisioned by the Lord right now. I feel like God wants to give his people vision again. You know, uh, not just vision about what's going on in the polit- political realm and then that, but your own life and your your call and your purpose is that God wants to stir that up in us again and give us thoughts about what he wants to do because God's not done, period, <laughs> you know, and he's got plans and purposes for his people. And so I think we're just in a time where God wants to rekindle some things in people. You know, the scripture says, stir up the gift that's in you. And, you know, we tend to think about that primarily as, as spiritual gifts, which I think it really is. But I think there's also all these other uh, grace gifts that God has deposited in people about what he's called them to do and, and their purpose and their dreams. And we've been through a season where that has kind of been on the back burner, kind of semi, right? It really has been. And one of the concerns I have, I'm probably just not going to get through this message, but I'll do a little bit of it, but... I think this is important to say one of the concerns that I have uh, for is for people who are in ministry who have basically been shut down this year. But, you know, uh, some churches have been shut down. Uh, but there's also been, like, people who travel to other countries and do ministry or travel within this country. And see, those are people that the body of Christ needs. And so I feel God really wants to help those people and begin to touch those people. Um, and I think we really need to start praying for those that we know. So I wanted to take a minute here for anybody in this room who's been affected that way uh, just to stand up so we can pray for you because I think this is really important to stand up if you're, you're one of those people because God has got you on his heart. Um, you know, Becky kept getting that scripture, uh, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, and the Lord really does want to bring some comfort uh, to the people here um, who are suffering. So let's lay hands on them, make sure everybody is standing has got somebody laying their hands on them. Just, uh, and we're just going to release the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, come. You've got a plan, you've got a purpose. Just because there's been COVID and insanity going on in our country doesn't mean that you're done, Lord. Mm, it may mean that you got something else. You got some directions. You got some resets. You got some newness coming, Lord. And so we want to declare that over these standing in this room. We, we're going to declare a new vision and a new dream. It, it may be part of the old, but it's going to be got some newness on it because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of newness. And we just break off discouragement this morning. We break it off right now. And Lord, we're just going to speak to their spiritual vision right now. And we're going to remove the needles. We're going to remove the things that have blinded them spiritually in terms of their vision and their dreams. And we're going to remove those things this morning in the name of Jesus. And we're going to speak to any kind of, any kind of distraction that the enemy has brought and trying to pull them in a different direction this morning in Jesus' name. We are speaking life over them today, and we're going to speak health over their spiritual vision. And, Lord, I pray for them that their finances have been uh, hurt, 
Lord, that you would just give them some financial breakthroughs, some financial miracles. You would confirm your word to them, Lord, that this week be a a week where the word of the Lord would come. I want you to, if you're being prayed for, say this after me. Word of the Lord, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, word of the Lord. Amen. We just thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's important. Woo, I'm going to read this verse to you. Acts chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. This is, uh, well, let me tell you the, the background. Acts 15 is a pretty powerful uh, chapter in the Bible. What had happened was there was controversy in the early church. Can you imagine? There was division in the early church. Can you imagine? <laughs> Their division was over this. Uh, in Acts 10, Peter went and preached the gospel to a bunch of Gentiles. And they got saved, okay? And so the Gentiles, uh, these are all the people who were not Jewish, just in case you didn't know what a Gentile was. I was a Gentile. I'm a spiritual, spiritual Jew now like you are. But the Gentiles started coming into the church, and there were Judaizers within the church that were basically saying this. Y'all need to tell them the leadership of the church, you need to circumcise these men. Okay, basically they were telling them that for them to become believers, they had to become Jews first. That's what they were telling them. And so it it became controversial in the church. And there was division in the church. So they had this big, you know, hoopity-doop meeting with all the big guns of Christianity at that time were there. James, this is not the apostle James, he was gone. You know, this is James, the brother of the Lord, who became the leader there, the apostolic leader of the Jerusalem church. They gathered this big meeting, and they had these, all these big conversations to decide what to do. And thank God they decided not to make us be, convert to Jew, to be, become Jews, and then we could be believers. No, they just they didn't do that. They gave them. And this is, what, this is powerful here, what James said. James is quoting out of, uh, I think it's Amos 9. He's, he quotes this. He says, after these things, I will return to you. And raise up the tabernacle of David. I'm going to raise, this is what he's going to, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen into ruin. I will restore and build, rebuild what David experienced. This is powerful, okay? So that all of humanity, all of humanity will be able to encounter the Lord, including the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? This is the Passion Trance. I just I read this out of the Passion because I love this encounter of the Lord, including the Gentiles, whom I have called to be my very own, says the Lord. And so what James was saying is, y'all, God has begun to raise up the tabernacle of David again, right before our very eyes. That's what's in Acts 15. And so uh, the tabernacle of David is really a picture of what the body of Christ will become in the end. It's really, if you really begin to study the tabernacle of David, you will discover this is what God always intended for the body of Christ and for humanity. The tabernacle of David was just a tent, I don't know how much y'all, I'm just going to assume some people don't know about it. But it's the only dwelling place of God in the entire Bible that God said, 
I'm going to rebuild it. He didn't say, I'm going to rebuild Solomon's temple. He didn't say, I'm going to rebuild Moses' tabernacle. There was, I'm not going to rebuild the rebuilt temple because they had a rebuilt temple. He didn't say any of that. He said, this is the one. And, that, and all, it was, all it was was a tent. It was a literal tent with the Ark of the Covenant sitting in it, planted in the backyard of King David's uh, house, his palace. And everybody who wanted to visit the Lord, everybody who wanted to have an encounter with the Lord could freely go there. I mean, and, and experience God Almighty in this tent. Everybody, that's what James said, all humanity. And, um, you know, the tabernacle of Moses, only the high priest one time a year could go and experience this level of the presence of God. Once a year. And they would literally tie a rope to his foot, his leg, just in case he got in there and he died because of God. Because <laughs> that could happen, you know. You could get in God's presence and you just get so overwhelmed uh, and you died. You know, or you could be like Enoch, uh, just move on. I ain't, I'm untying the rope and going on. That, that would be my like, yeah, let's just do that. I don't want to go back outside there. There's too much trouble there. Uh, so this is what God wanted for humanity. He didn't want just one person. But you know why there was just one person who did it? Because that's what the people wanted. They said that. Well, you, they told Moses, you go talk to God. We don't want to talk to him because we're too afraid of him. And so they appointed one man. That's where it all started at, but it was never God's. He accommodates man. See, he's going to accommodate us now, what we were praying about a while ago. He'll accommodate us. If we decide, well, we'll just let things go as they are, okay, if that's what you want. You know, but if we say, no, we're not going to go for that, we're going to fight it tooth and nail, it, perhaps we might see something different. I'm just saying, y'all, you know. <laughs> but God really wants, you know, he don't want to, his heart is for all of humanity. And that's what James was telling them. Listen, we don't have to do anything. God wants all mankind to encounter him. And I'm, it's tragic today that we don't really fully believe that in our heart. We may believe it in our heads, but we don't fully embrace that concept that all of us can have encounters with the Lord. Because we're not always, not many, not a lot of people encounter the Lord. Honestly, only we think only a few special people can encounter the Lord, but it's not true. And the church has done some ways a disservice because we perpetuate this concept that you had to be special and you got to do special things to, for God to encounter you. You really don't. All you got to do is believe and trust in the blood and, and trust in what God's word says. If you can do that, then you're on the way to some serious movement in the Lord. So, I think the tabernacle of David, are y'all with me on this? I'm telling you, because I think this is really important. This is what makes, gives me life. This is what I want to do church like. I'm just going to cut the church. Here's the final thing. I want church to be like the tabernacle of David. That's what I'm looking for in my life. That's my dream for church. It's where everybody could come into a place together, whether it's in a building or in the field, and encounter God. Encounter his presence and find out that God is something different than they thought they, he was. 
and find out something about their life that they didn't know. Because that's what happens when we encounter God. We discover he's not what we thought he was, and we discover stuff about ourselves we never knew. And it's wonderful stuff because there's wonderful things that God has built into every one of us. So um, I believe that it's a picture, the tabernacle of David. When you read it about it in the Bible, in the Old Testament, or what happened, I think it's a prophetic picture of how God wants things to work spiritually, okay? And I think... To me, what I've come to understand over the past few months is, you know, all the questions about what does our future look like, right? What's the future of the church in America? What's the future of River Life? What's the future of my ministry? What's the future of your ministry, your job, your career? You know, those are all questions that have been brought forth this year. The year of 2020, perfect vision. We have come to have imperfect vision But isn't that a gift from God that we could come to a place where we're not dependent on our perfect vision, but we are going to get his vision. And maybe he has allowed our vision to be disconnected so he can connect us to his vision. God has a vision and he wants us to begin to see what he sees. And perhaps he's allowed these things. I don't think he caused any of it but he's allowed it to give us a new dream or, or, or see the dream we've always had because I'll be honest with you, this is the thing that has stirred me pretty much all my Christian life is that this kind of thing. Is this, is, this is what I want. This is what I yearn for inside of me when it gets right down to it. Okay, thank you, Lord. Um, I think we can look back at the tabernacle of David and get some insights about how God wants us to go forward. That's what I've, I've been doing. I've been going back and looking at this and thinking about and thinking about what God has, has done in the earth, and I'm beginning to see some things that's been kind of like, wow, this is cool. God's really doing some amazing things in the earth today. He really is. I'm telling you, God has been moving for a long time and doing stuff, I think, restoring the tabernacle of David. But it's been bit by bit by bit, and it won't be fully restored until the millennial reign. This is what I believe. That when Christ comes back, the tabernacle of David will be fully, fully on the earth. Because that's when King Jesus is going to be ruling the earth. And, the, and, and, and if you look in the Old Testament, King David was, was the ruler. It was the golden age of Israel. It was when he was on the throne. And when God was worshipped, and they experienced his absolute open heaven in that nation. And they were be, it was their best time ever and that was nothing but a prophetic picture of what God intends to do for all humanity at some point and I believe we can become a part of that if we have a heart for it and I want to stir you this morning for God to begin to shift your heart to something greater remember those few years ago there was a song by what's that guy you know, what's his name? Don Potter. Remember good old Don? Yeah. Lift your vision higher and you will see the Lord. That's what God began to tell me. I began to hear that song over and over and I realized my vision was here too much. My vision was what was going on here so much that I was, there was something else God wanted me to see. He wants us to see this stuff here. 
But that's not where our vision is. If we can see something up here in the spirit, then we can look at this on earth and have a different perspective and, and actually know what to do about situations in your personal responsibility because suddenly you're seeing it from God's perspective. And that is really what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants us to lift your vision higher and you will see the Lord. And he's mighty. I forget the rest of the song, but it's pretty good. Go look it up. It's a great song. Don, Lift Your Vision Higher by Don Potter. I wish I could sing like Don. If I could, I wouldn't be standing here preaching. I'd be out singing. Woo, Jesus. But here's three things about the tabernacle of David that I think are very powerful. is The voice of the Lord is very much part of that revelation. The voice of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, and the power of the Lord. That's what people, when they went to that tent, they experienced those three things. God's voice, God's presence, and God's power. And if, those are the th- if you had to sum it up, that's how I sum it up. Those three things. That's what I want for my life. I want the voice of the Lord flowing in my life. I want His presence, and I want His power. And if I have that, then I have something to offer humanity. That's what we have to offer. Okay. Woo, Lord help, Right? Oh, yes. Let me just tell you a few things about the tabernacle of David. This is encouraging to me. I hope it is to you. Uh, I've already mentioned some, but here's some. I've got, I studied the, I got eight. I don't know. I'm going to do all eight, okay? I don't got time. But there's probably many attributes, many traits, many characteristics of this that when you look at it, you realize, oh, my gosh, this has already been happening. In the earth. That sort of gives you a clue of what God's been doing. It kind of helps you step back from a, a little Christian view to a bigger, more panoramic view. And once you begin to see these things, you begin to realize, oh, God has been working. It's not like God's been still. It ain't like God's, oh, I got to wait for the election to get done to get everybody's attention again. It's not like God's doing that. You know, God's been at work in the nations for, for all this time doing stuff. And, you know, we think they're fad sometimes. Oh, well, that was a, a move and, and it, it, it's petered out and now it's gone, it's done. Not so. It was God releasing something, a little piece of this tabernacle of David to get it flowing again. And so the first trait of it is what I've already said uh, is access to God's presence, Okay. Let me read this one, uh, Hebrews 4.16. Are y'all good? Yeah. It says, so now, we, so now we come freely and boldly, listen, to where love is enthroned. Isn't that amazing the way that's said? To where love is freely and boldly. That's what the Bible declares, that we can freely and boldly. How many of us are freely and boldly going to where love is enthroned? We feel like we got to, you know, do something to, but he's, this writer of Hebrews uh, is saying, no, it's freely. Uh, to receive mercy's kiss. Wow. And discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. If there ever was a time for the church to go to the throne of grace, to, to where love is enthroned, it's right now. That's what we need to be doing every day, all the time. You know, or we won't get through this. We'll be like everybody else. We'll be in despair. We'll be down. We'll be bummed. We'll be, or we'll be rejoicing about something that God weeps over. 
We don't want to be doing that, do we? We don't want to rejoice about something that God is weeping about. You know? But if we go before this throne, we'll pick up the heart of God. We'll pick up His heart. That's the, the first attribute. Um, listen, y'all. Uh, you know, well, let me just go on. Okay? God has made himself available to us. That's what the Bible says. God has made himself available to mankind. The Bible says the blood of Jesus has brought us close to God. But guess what? It didn't say it made us close relationally to him. You see, it's a choice. I guarantee there were people back in the day of Israel that never took the time to walk over there or ride a donkey over to that tent and go in there and experience God. They made a choice not to. And see, God has given himself to us and has given us open access to him. But it's up to us to take advantage of it. It's our choice. It's our choice to do that. And I want to make that real clear because we can't get any closer to God than we already are. Okay? We can't. But we can live in the... I've shared this before. You can live in the same house use the same toilet, sleep in the same bed as another person and not be relationally close to them. And you can't get no closer than that when you're undressing together, you know, and dressing together and using the same bar of soap and fighting over the shampoo and arguing about toothpaste. You know, don't ever ask Becky to borrow her toothbrush. <laughs> I did one time. I said, I'll wash it off, Becky. I've lost my toothbrush. And she was horrified that I'd even ask such a... But, Becky, you've kissed me. I mean, lavishly kissed me. You know, you get the point, and I can't use your toothbrush. <laughs> She's not here. She went out to the park. Lord help her. <laughs> yeah. Here's another powerful thing about uh, uh, the tabernacle. David is one, what they call one new man. It's, boy, this is really uh, pertinent right now especially in light of the issues of racism that we have in our country because uh, it goes absolutely against what the tabernacle of David, all people, the Bible says, it it tells us it's not uh, Jew or Gentile, male or female, black or white, black or brown. See, it's one new, God created, he said, he used this phrase, he created one new people. There is no division in Christ. If you have division, you're not flowing in who you are in Christ. You hear what I'm saying? That's why the church must address racism and address it from a God perspective. Not, listen, not, not a Marxist perspective because that is what is being communicated out there. Okay? So here, I want to encourage you about this. Listen, don't be one of those white Christians that says, I'm not, there's not racism. There's no racism. Because when you do this, this is what you do. You take yourself out of the conversation. You take yourself out of being part of the solution. Okay? And I, I know a lot, of why, a lot of white Christians do that because of the Marxist language that has come our way. 
But we can overcome that. And, and we must overcome that because the church has not had this voice. Here's some things that it says in Ephesians. I'm just going to read them about this one. It says, Christ broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That's what he said. And, and, and then he says in the next verse, he's created one new people or one new man. Uh, then he says, we're citizens of the kingdom. We're members of God's family. We are a holy temple. We are God's dwelling place on the earth. That's all in Ephesians 2. That's what the Word of God says about the people of God. And see, that's why we must resist and push back against anything that's contrary to this. See, this is where we need to get our information from. We're one new man. We are God's dwelling. We are members of God's family. There's been a breakdown of this thing that's separated. It's been broken away. If there's something that's separating, it's something that's not come from God. It's come from man or the devil and or. Are y'all following that? Okay, that was my little racism plug. <laughs> yeah. All right, the third aspect is the prophetic. See, we've seen a prophetic move Right in the earth, and it's kind of you know on a great wave, and it kind of went down. I think there's a new wave of that beginning of the prophetic. There's like a whole new pe- people that God wants to raise up into the prophetic, new prophetic voices that God's going to give the earth. You see, God's not through with the prophetic, and see everything that King David. Why I say this tabernacle of David is prophetic. Everything that King David did, all his psalms, all his the way he operated was all a prophetic picture of Jesus. Jesus even himself said that. He said, "I'm the root and offspring of David." And so, so what he was saying, it was David was the guy who, who prophesied me. David was the guy who illustrated what the Messiah was going to be like. And so what we have is, is prophetic. And so we really do have to understand that the prophetic move is not dead. It's just begun. It's, and God is going to continue to restore the prophetic to the church. And we're going to see a powerful prophetic church. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel that, and you kind of feel like it gotten old to you, and it probably did, you know, because it can get certain things can get old. You, can get, you feel wore out on them. But God wants to renew that because God's a, the Holy Spirit's a spirit of newness. And y'all are just staring bad at me. <laughs> All right, here's another one. This, what we, I'm just going to use this term, the seven mountains of influence. Yes. Listen to this. Yes. There, there's no accident that that's become a teaching in the church. Because when David, like I said earlier, David was the king over Israel. And Everything in that nation was affected because of the open heaven. All the government, all the education, all the family life, everything, the military, everything was affected because God was on the throne over a nation. And that's really when you think about this seven mountain strategy or teaching or whatever you want to call it, that is the ultimate end of it. It's saying get people into these seven mountains of influence that are leading, that are godly people to allow the kingdom of God to come into those worlds. And that's really what the tabernacle of David was all about. That was what was really happening. Can you just see, can you just see how God is doing these things? See, that's what encourages me about this. God's actually doing something. It may not be the revival we thought, and we won't, 
But it was, there is stuff God's doing. He's really doing something. And when we begin to see what he's doing, we can begin to engage with what he's doing. I got like nine minutes. And of course, the, another one is the 24-7 worship and intercession. The, what they call harp and bowl that comes out of Revelations 5. You can read Revelations 5. And so we've seen like this amazing prayer movement uh, on, in the earth of 24-7 people trying. Not everybody does it, obviously, cause it's, but there are places in the earth that literally around the clock, prayer and worship. And, and, that, and that's what David did in the tabernacle of David. David set up choirs. He set up worship teams, and they came in. They rotated, and they worshiped, and they prayed 24-7 as long as that tent was set up. It's amazing. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's something God's doing. That's something God's restoring to the earth. It's just another little thing. Okay, another one is the, uh, because God said all people can come, all men are welcome, is what we would call, you know, like the end time harvest. That God wants to bring the world in to his family. He wants to bring the world into his family. That's the power of God. That God's, I believe there really is going to be an end time harvest. I believe we're going to be a part of it. I'm, I'm expecting it. I've already signed up for that. If God just started this end time harvest and he came in and said that everything's going to change because now is the time of the end time harvest, I've already decided, okay, everything's changing. Tell me what the new assignments are. Tell me what we're supposed to be doing now to be part of this end time harvest. Because the whole nation was experiencing God under David. And God wants nations to experience him. So I really believe it's an attribute. Okay, another one that's really important is the restoration of the nation of Israel. Now that's powerful, isn't it? But, and why the restoration? Because Isaiah, Isaiah 16 verse 5 says the Messiah when he comes back will rule from, his, from the tent of David. Did you hear what I said? The Messiah, when he returns, will rule from the tent of David. He was literally talking about where he was going to rule from when he sets his feet back on this earth. So Israel must be restored. Israel must be restored because the Messiah is going to rule from there. And all the nations will go there. They will send delegates to go. Is this interesting to y'all? It tells you what God's been doing in, in my lifetime. I'm seeing all this. This is all happening in most of our lifetimes. This, God's up to something. Um, okay, this is the one you're going to really love me on this one. I'm going to read a scripture. I'm going to finish. Number eight, preparation of the bride of Christ. The preparation of the bride of Christ. Big part of, let me read this beautiful scripture here. Oh, y'all, I think I've read this before here. Possibly. Revelations 19, verse 7 in that through 8. This is at the end, end, getting towards the end of the book, right? It says, Let us rejoice and exalt Him and give Him glory because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come. So that's, that's amazing. Listen to this, though. We should be hallelujah on this one, too. And His bride has made herself ready. 
can I, let me say something. Can I just say it like this? And his bride has made herself ready. Made herself ready. It doesn't say Jesus made the bride ready. It says the bride, listen, this, this is the Bible. This is a non, non-grace statement. You hear me? This is not a work statement. It's not, but it is a statement of truth that there's something that God is looking for in the earth from you and I. That we have to make ourselves ready. God is is saying that to us here. And I believe that can hold God up in heaven from returning. I believe we can have some influence on the return of Christ. Why Jesus? I don't know. I don't know when we're going, I'm going to come back. Only the Father knows that because only he, he hasn't told me that because it's up to you guys. You're going to have some, obviously Israel is big on that, right? And all these prophecies, but we're big on it. See, we've got to start thinking this way. We've got influence in heaven. That's what that tells me. We have influence in heaven. We can determine some things. Maybe we can't determine everything, but there are things that God has given us to determine, and we have got to start determining some stuff. We've got to get a hold of this thing. And then it says, uh, fine linen, shining bright and clear has been given to her. So, he, so we make ourselves here, but there's also something given to us. Okay, he's given us something. And guess what it is? Just flat guess. Y'all, would anybody just perchance guess what God has given us to be ready. I mean, can we ever guess in a million years what that would be? Would we think, oh, it was the Holy Ghost? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, there you go. It's actually up there. It represents the righteous deeds. Right, listen, righteous deeds. He didn't say righteous deeds were going to get us into heaven, but he said that we would do these righteous deeds. We would do them. The Bible tells us, and I've read this before. I'll tell you one more time. Matthew 25, it says, When the king in all his glory returns with his holy angels, he is going to separate the goat nations from the sheep nations. And he's going to say, they're going to say, well, why are we goats? And Because you never fed me when I was hungry. or vi-. It was just a list of things. Say what you want. God is very interested in these deeds. It's not deeds to get to heaven. It's deeds because we're part of heaven. We pray for heaven to come. We're actually praying. We've got, we're praying for a job to do. We can't just continue to be what we've been. So if you pray your kingdom come, you better watch out. Because there's work to be done. There's an assignment for you and I. Yeah. Are y'all getting this? It's important, y'all. This is important. Two times, at least in the Bible, Matthew 25 and right here, talking about the end, things that God has expectations on. And it says he gives us those things. We don't, we don't have to figure them out. He'll give them to us. He'll reveal them to us. Oh, Lord help, right? This is a, a very important, this is very important, y'all. I mean, I'm telling you, this is more important than ever. If you just are living your life for you, you're, you're on the wrong path. You're going down. You're going to go down a road that you're going to 
seed that's not going to be fruitful for you. You need to ask the Lord to give you his vision for your life. You know, and his vision for your life is going to include something beyond just your little world. It's going to include a lot more. Can I just finish up and give you one more scripture? Are y'all good this morning? All right, this is really something that that's, I think is important right now. Uh, how many people have ever heard of what they call the Latter Rain Movement? Anybody ever heard of that revival, the Latter Rain Revival? It was a powerful revival, I think, in the, like in the 40s. Uh, lots of miracles. And so in the Bible, there's this term called former rain and latter rain. Okay? And you know, the, it was about agriculture. It was about Israel's agricultural cycle. The former rain was when God would give them rain when it was time to plant seeds for food. That's former rain. The former rain would plant it. Latter rain was the rain that came getting close to harvest where the, for what they had planted, it will come to full maturity and there would be plenty of food because they had received the former rain and latter rain. Y'all following that? That's why it was a term. Let me read the, the, the several verses in the Bible that uses, uses that terminology. This is one that's probably most famous. Uh, it says, be glad, it's Joel 2.23, be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Okay? Pentecost was the former rain. Are you hearing me? Pentecost was the planting time of the body of Christ in the earth. That's a former rain. That was when the seed was put out. There is a rain coming. And I'm going to tell you all something. The church has got to get back to this kind of thinking. I would like more people to be excited about that. I'll be honest with you. I'm telling y'all, this is very much on the heart of God. He's looking for a people who won't try to explain away revivals and tell you why we don't need revival and tell you why revival's a bad term and all this. God's looking for people who, who want to say in their heart, who have this thing in their heart, that God wants to pour out a rain on the earth, that he wants to do something in the earth. He wants to bring us to something. It's for us. It's to help us, the body of Christ, to really actually become that tabernacle of David, to come into fullness. And I've heard, you know, when, as a younger believer, that was a common belief and a common desire of many believers that were, came before me. But somewhere we've lost that. That is not a common thought in the body of Christ anymore. I don't ever hear anybody talking about that. But I tell you who I do hear talking about it, at least he's talking to me about it, it's the Holy Spirit. He's asking me about the former rain and latter rain. He brought it up to me. I'd kind of forgotten about that phrase until I started thinking about the, the tabernacle and David and realized that what David had and what they had uh, in Acts 15 was the seed. There's a fullness coming. There's a fullness coming in there. We've got to get to where we're seeing that God has something, okay, beyond what we've believed him for. Am I talking to anybody in here? You know, I mean, listen, I'm willing to stand out there on that. I, I'm going for that. Y'all can set people, I ain't going to say, I'm going to say people can set back and just say, and be, anybody can be skeptical, y'all. Anybody can be skeptical. 
But it takes somebody who's got something for God to have some faith in their heart to begin to believe something that they read in the Bible and they feel some stirring on it from God to begin to reach for it in their heart and begin to declare it with their mouth that God wants to do this. God wants to bring a rain in the earth. God wants to move in the earth. And he's looking for people who will get envisioned for that. Because when they start getting envisioned for it, they start talking about it and they start creating the Word of God frame the world. We can frame this world we're living in through, tr- through true belief coming out of our belly. You hear that? That's what, the, that's what it says in Hebrews. The, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. It was the spoken Word of God. It wasn't somebody just doing lucky dips and right. I mean, we don't believe in that. A lucky dip and, you know, what you did, did a lucky dip and Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> We don't want to do that lucky dip, right? Oh, if you were doing lucky dips, like, Lord, just speak to me, I'm going to... And Judas went out and hung himself. You were like, ah, oh, that lucky dip stuff doesn't work. There ain't nothing to it. But if you stepped on one and, and it said, it, and God blessed Abraham in every area of his life, God is going to bless me in every area of my life. I knew this was God for me to do that. How many people in here who have not ever done a lucky dip? You should try it. I have done some lucky dips in my life. I cannot say that God has ever blessed it, but who knows? I'm not preaching lucky dips. But I tell you what I am saying. I believe biblically, factually, that when God was talking about the former rain and latter rain, it was not just agricultural. It was prophetic that God wants to move in the earth. God wants to pour rain down in the earth. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'll be honest with you, that's really our only hope. Because no matter what happens, right, no matter, really, truly, no, and listen, okay, I'm just going to be confession time. I voted for Donald Trump. I like Donald Trump. I think he's a jack leg in some ways, stuff he says I don't like. But I voted for him because I believe he loves this country. And I feel like he's tried his best to help this country, okay? I could be wrong. He could be, uh, you know, he could be deep state. He could be part of, the, part of the evil. I don't know, okay? I don't know if he's a believer or not. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I'm praying that he, if he's not, he gets saved. But he ain't my hope. He, he's really not my hope. I'm not putting no stock in him in, at the end of the day because... Without Jesus, man, we're this 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 thing called the United States. All right, I'm gonna finish. But the writers of the Constitution were very clear that this thing is only going to work for believers, a believing nation. They said that. They said it. This thing does not work for a nation that's not believing in God and trying to follow God. They they're the one the ones who came up with the deal. And we see what they said was true. Because as our nation has swung away from God into darkness, what should the constitutional thing that's supposed to hold our nation together as a nation is starting to break apart. The way to keep it from breaking apart is not just to get the right person elected, which that's important, but it's for this reign of God to come. And when this reign of God comes... Maybe we can always get good people because everybody's going to be getting born again and everybody's eyes are going to start getting open to seeing what's going on in the world. 
All right, I'm not trying to be political. You know, I'm really not. But, you know, that's the elephant in the room, right? That's not a good word, right? Elephant in the room. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's the donkey in the room. Yeah. Why don't we just stand up and... and Lord, give us a vision. Give, give, River Life was created for something. Okay? God's given us a DNA. He's given this thing to us. This is... When, when I think about my life, I feel like I've got that one thing that I know that God's given. He's given me a spiritual DNA, and He's told me, you've got to steward this, and you've got to pass it on. That's your job. That's your job. We've got to get a hold of these things. Okay? And part, and I believe what I've shared with you this morning is really, a lot of us really at the heart of this DNA that God's put in us, that we're carrying. And we've got to become that. We've got to let, let that be the thing that emerges from us because that's where our great power is as people. There's other spiritual DNAs that, are, are, that may be better than ours. I, I mean, I'm good with that. But I will never be able to be who God called me to be by trying to adopt their, their DNA and embrace their DNA and trying to live my Christian life out like that. I've got to live it out, the thing that God's put in me. You know, and I believe every human being deserves a chance to have an encounter with the Lord. Every human being, because that's God's heart. And He wants His people to encounter Him and experience Him, hear His voice, experience His presence, have all these things, that, and, they, and, and it, it changes our lives. The encounters with the presence of God, walking into that tabernacle of David, well, you, you walk away, listen, you had to make a decision when you encounter God. You're either going to go for what the encounter was about, or you're going to push God away. There's not an in-between. There's no right in the fence. When we begin to have this with God, we begin to set our hearts towards Him. I think our nation needs that. I think our children need that. I think our grandchildren need that. I think our, our millennial generation needs that. I think we desperately need that. And I'm just appealing to y'all, and I'm appealing to heaven this morning. God, bring a latter rain to the United States. Maybe it won't be the latter rain, but let's say bring a latter rain, God. Just an a latter rain, like latter rain would be beautiful for us. And we're asking you to heal us, heal our vision, and heal our dreams, God. Heal us as a church and let us get to who you say we are, Lord. And be who you say we are. And let us flourish in you like a tree planted by the rivers that in every season we would prosper. Every season. Lord, we want that. And we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Lift your hands to heaven if you can and if you want to and say, Lord... Yeah, send the rain in my life, Lord. Send the rain in my house, God. Send, send it in my family, Lord. My children, my grandchildren, if you have them. My friend's house. My neighborhood, Lord. My church, Lord. Lord, we're asking you to that latter rain begin to flow. Yeah, North Carolina. Mooresville, yeah. We're asking you for it, Lord.
We're not just asking you for just a experience. We're asking you for an encounter with mighty God. We ask that the voice of God would be ring out into our hearts. Let me just say this real quick. Becky's going to fuss at me because she told me, don't you be preaching long. Listen, people, anybody here feel like you're not hearing the Lord right now? Raise your hand. If you just feel like, I'm just really not hearing the Lord. Uh, 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 my granddaughter said something to me the other day. We were talking about the Lord is, she's, she's you know, old enough. She's seven years old almost. And she said, she said it to Becky. We were talking. She said, Mimi, I don't hear God. I'm like, Hannah, yes, you do more than you know. God, because God's speaking. And see, I want my grandkids to hear God. I want that for them. And I'm always trying to talk to them about hearing God and experiencing God. I want them to be, I want their life to be ruined like my life was ruined. When I was a young believer, God ruined me for him. So if you are having a struggle right now, because we all go through times where we just don't feel like we're hearing the Lord. So Father, I just pray for those who are raising their hand right now who are struggling hearing you. It just seems like they're not hearing what they need to hear, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that's part of our inheritance is your voice that we can hear you. Lord, I pray for the other voices that, they're, that may have their ear right now that's hindering them, that you would somehow those other voices would be removed, be quietened, so they could hear your voice, Lord. I ask you to do that, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for, for those who in this room that need to hear you and desire to hear you, you would release that anointing on their spiritual ears to hear the voice of God Almighty. I thank you for that, Lord. And I bless you for that. You're going to do that, Lord. You're going to let us experience your presence. And you're going to let us experience your power, the power of the age to come. Lord, I declare that. I speak that. Lord, that's the dream. We ask you to release it now in Jesus' name. Woo!